The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone and welcome to the new episode of Handbrake Off, our new weekly Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. As always, I'm in the studio with two of The Athletic's writers covering all things Arsenal every week, Amy Lawrence and also James McNicholas. And Lee Dixon is down the line, full of Christmas cheer. Hello, Lee. Ho, ho, ho. Beautiful. See, that's exactly the sort of uh, Christmas cheer we're looking for. Uh, hello, James and Amy. Hello. Merry Christmas. Hello. Merry Christmas, uh, James. St. Nicholas, we should call you today, by the Thank way. Thank you very it's much. A Christmas thing. And now, by way of admission, we are actually recording this uh, a fair time before Christmas, as I look out the window. It's a beautiful summer's day, and we're all going off to a barbecue straight after we finish this. Uh, we've actually recorded all the Christmas specials until 2035, at which point, no doubt, Arsenal will be on their 35th manager since Arsenal. Wenger. Now on Christmas Day itself no doubt Lee is cycling off his Christmas dinner. Amy, as she has young kids is no doubt playing her fourth board game of the day and wondering whether two in the afternoon is too early to open her second bottle of wine and James is at a Buddhist retreat trying to locate his chakra. Uh, <laughs> How do you know? I don't, I don't, I just thought that. By the way, I, for, for information I'm at home watching It's a Wonderful Life and wondering whether Arsenal would be, be having a better season if Granite Xhaka had never been born. Merry Christmas <laughs> Granite if you're listening. Merry Christmas. Uh, now there is a very brief respite in the relentless schedule of Premier League football so we thought we'd step back from current affairs and our current problems and have a very Arsenal Christmas. That's going to include memories of Christmas past, Arsenal Christmas wish list gift ideas for the players and your fantasy Arsenal Christmas lunch and uh, now Amy you wanted to ask specifically about gifts didn't you yes uh, I wondered um, what if you were on a secret Santa and you had to buy presents for members of the Arsenal team whether there were any special gifts you think might be particularly appropriate uh, Lee I was wondering do you have any special gifts for this Arsenal team I think we should dig up the centre of the pitch and put some of that Velcro down and then stick some Velcro to our central midfielder's boots, the, <laughs> opposite, the hooks on the hooking eyes on Velcro. Yeah. So, so, they, so they're not allowed to run out of the middle of the pitch. In right. They won't be able to move at all. Yeah, but that wouldn't make them any less mobile than they are at present, would it? So I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm liking the sound of that. I, I had an Velcro idea. Isn't, by the way, Velcro isn't a great Christmas gift, but can you imagine opening it up? Oh, Velcro. <laughs> How lovely. Every um, year. James, what have you got for On me? a similar theme, I, I had a few ideas. I thought I'd get Mustafi some crampons, you know, for his grip. Stay on his feet on the pitch. Yeah. Uh, I like it. What else? I, I wanted to get Unai Emery a copy of his book, Winning Mentality, because I'm not sure he's read it. Uh, Bernd Leno, <laughs> a day off. I think he deserves one. He does deserve a day he's off. He's been a very busy boy. Yeah, very nice. I was going to say some protection for Bernd Leno as well, well, but that could be misconstrued, could it not? Well, possibly. I mean, we should maybe get some protection for Meza Ozil so Sad Kolasinac can stop doing it. He's, you know. A fair point. Okay. <laughs> I quite like the idea, by the way, of, because uh, oh, I'm on the Mustafi thing as well, I'm right. thinking of a, a nice sort of, you know, a little winter break for perhaps a year <laughs> or something like sure. that for Squadron Mustafi. Yeah. Uh, some Maybe some nice toys for Saka. He's only 18. I'm sure he'd quite like him, wouldn't he? PlayStation, yeah, something, little like, PlayStation, that. something sure. like that. Yeah, I'm sure he's got one of them. Uh, Christmas for footballers, Lee. I mean, obviously now you're an ex-player, it's a slightly different vibe. But when you were playing, uh, because of course as fans we demand football four times over the Christmas period because anything to get us out of the house. What was it like for you from, say, the 23rd onwards? I mean, I'm assuming it was quite monastic. 
Well, pretty, no, it's pretty similar to to fans um, in in respect. I loved Christmas. I love the whole festive football season, and the more games, the better. Because I don't care. I'm, you know, it might be old school, but and it might be if I was playing now, I might change my mind. But um, when I was playing, it was I, the more I played, the better. I didn't, you know, I, I love training, but I'd much prefer to play a game because you've got you know loads of things going on. You've got fun and. And, and crowd watching you yeah. and the, the festive period certainly from an atmosphere point of view is like no other part of the season so I love the fact that um, you know I got to spend time with my family there's always there was always that you know leaving on Christmas day thing but like anybody like fans you know after a while you just kind of want to get out and do some you know get a bit of fresh air George was great because we used to um, we used to have Christmas morning at home so we were allowed to be at home and so we wake up with the kids in the morning and do all the normal things that everybody does and then obviously when it gets towards dinner time and you're having your your christmas lunch then you we still have christmas lunch at home but you take it easy because you know at five o'clock in the evening you're training so we'd have you know I'd i'd eat a normal christmas dinner but not not have the drink and then obviously go into training about five o'clock and you might have a glass of wine or one or two, or if you're certain members of the team, <laughs> turning, up at, turning up at Highbury on, on Christmas Day with your Christmas jumper on and walking into the dressing room. And then we'd train at five o'clock and then we'd go off to the hotel and we'd always be playing Boxing Day. So we'd train five o'clock and then go and have our, a, a light meal in the evening and go to bed quite early and then be ready for the Boxing Day. But we... Um, a, a player shall remain nameless. Um, George came into the dressing room one Christmas day to shake hands with everyone as we were getting changed in, at Highbury and walking around. He said, oh, you lot haven't been drinking. And we're all like, no, boss, no, it's been fine. We've just had a you know nice time with our families. And then went up to this one player and said, you've definitely been drinking, haven't you? And he was like, no, boss, I haven't had anything. He said, you definitely have been drinking. I know you've been drinking. And he said, how do you know? He said, you've still got your slippers on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. he, had his, he had his Arsenal tracksuit on with a pair of slippers, which was <laughs> none of the lads had noticed, obviously, because we'd all been drinking too. <laughs> but, uh, we had a big bit of a harder session then uh, at five o'clock and got all that out of our system and then won the game on the on the Boxing Day. So no harm done. Quite. It often used to be a North London derby, didn't it, on the Boxing Day? I mean, it was... So there was... I remember, you know, we will fight forevermore because of Boxing Day and all that right. sort of stuff. And, and I think the original idea, and, and you guys, you tell me, I think the original idea is they didn't want the fans to travel too far. So they wouldn't have Newcastle against Brighton on Boxing Day because the fans couldn't get there. Mm. So they used to do all the local games, the Manchester derby, the North London derby. I mean, you remember North London derbies on Boxing Day, Lee? I don't. I don't honestly remember ever playing them. Maybe it's before my time. I don't. I don't. I don't remember it always. I, I remember it being. A, I think we played Charlton a few times. I think we played West Ham. Yeah. Um, I remember Wrighty knocking uh, knocking me out on Boxing Day against West Ham at Highbury, which was nice. Right. When he went to West Ham, so he's supposed to be my mate and knocked me Sparko from a corner. <laughs> and. Uh, he goes, you know, Dicker, I just want to score goals and you were in my way. I said, but I thought we were supposed to be mates. He went, no mates in this game. So that's that. So I was glad he got voted out of the jungle. Um, I voted him out. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was kind of Boxing Day. I don't remember it being Tottenham, to be honest with you. So maybe it was before me. 
Do we have favourite Christmas games, by the way? Uh, I'll ask the others. Uh, Amy, do you have a favourite Christmas game? I mean, you were looking up earlier, weren't you? I was. And actually, a lot of the festive fixtures do seem to be a bit of a grind. Mm. Um, you don't find that many sort of stellar matches and stellar results. There's a few that uh, that stick out. There was um, 20, uh, the 2012-13 season uh, on the 29th of December, so a little bit after Arsenal beat Newcastle 7-3. Anyone remember that one? Theo yeah, Walcott got a hat-trick. Got a hat-trick. When, he, when he fell down yeah. and then they, everyone thought there was going to be a free kick. And then he just got up again and buried it. But yeah. there, there's just lots of games at Southampton away that have gone badly God around that period. Remember boxing. the 4-0 not that long ago on a well, Boxing Day? I'll tell you day? how much I remember the 4-0 on Boxing Day. I was watching that game at home and I was so annoyed, I turned over and watched 100 Greatest Musicals on Channel 5. <laughs> and, and it was much more entertaining than Arsenal losing to Southampton, James. Well, you mentioned Spurs. I think there was a famous victory over Spurs in 83. I don't remember it. 4-2 at White Hart Lane, I believe. Um, But my favourite Boxing Day game, I think it would be 2-1 over Chelsea. I think it was the season we did the double in 0102 because my brother and my dad are both Chelsea fans. So obviously, you know, to have that over them on Boxing Day, that was a great one. That's pretty good. I, I have to say, I remember a game, I don't think it was exactly at Christmas, it was around that period. Arsenal played Newcastle at home and Malcolm McDonald was playing for us and we right. won uh, barrel-chested forward for anyone under 45, right? Uh, Malcolm McDonald, he did have a very big chest, didn't he? And, uh, and and we we won five three and Malcolm got a hat trick and that was and I remember it was freezing cold at Highbury and I remember that but very you, clearly. You just talk about the North London derbies. It wasn't a Boxing Day, but on the tw- on the twenty third of December, uh, Arsenal won five nil famously at White Hart Lane wow. when, Bra- when Brady scored that goal. Indeed, indeed. That for those who were there is is a special one. Lee, New Year for me was always the the worst one because. Christmas time, you kind of you do the thing at home, then you go and you play, and you've got the Boxing Day. But always, we were in a hotel on New Year's Eve. Mm. I mean, you're better off leaving the players at home New Year's Eve because they're more likely to be getting into trouble. <laughs> Name me a hotel that doesn't have a party on New Year's Eve. And we'd turn up and you know, like have our meal, then go to our rooms at ten o'clock. George always used to. At 12 o'clock, have a, a, bottle, a few bottles of champagne downstairs and then the lads used to come down at 12 o'clock and, and we'd have half a glass of champagne and then he'd literally expect us all to go to bed when everyone was kicking off in the room next door. Yeah. So it kind of, it was a little bit, it was always a little bit of a weird one, that for me. I think I'd prefer to stay at home. The other thing I wanted to ask you, because you said you had Christmas dinner and then you went to train. Did you have stuffing as well? And the reason I ask is because I had stuffing once before a game and I was a little bit windy, is all I can say, right? I was a little, and I was chasing someone down the wing, and I was so windy, they started laughing. <laughs> so I'm just, I don't think it's very suitable for playing straight after. Listen, if you're chasing, if you're playing Man United away and you've got Ryan Giggs, the last thing you're doing is listening to his wind. You're basically chasing after him. Um, so no, I, I've, I've never had that problem. I'm sorry, Ian. I That's can't all right. That's all right. It's absolutely fine. I was just wondering. Uh, so we've been talking about these this Christmas past and people weren't drinking except for one or two of our players, mm. of course, who were wearing slippers. I mean, I guess it sort of evens out because you'd hope that we weren't the only drinking team, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, there was a drinking or oh, more of a drinking culture then. But I mean, I'm painting us all out to be every time we get five minutes off and sneaking off and having a pint. It, that, yeah. wasn't the, that, that wasn't the case for most of us. Um, 
it was it wasn't as you know the the stories are the stories because they're funny to say but it's not like we've you know it, it, they happen every week or every night there was certainly um you know after a game on a saturday you would you'd have a couple of beers in the in the players lounge and and then go off with your families and go for a meal or whatever but in general most pros are good pros and and i say that um, not with tongue in cheek. Now, my my experience of being around Christmas time wasn't any worse or better than the rest of the year. To be honest with you, it was you know one or two. I remember us getting caught out once at in a hotel um, New Year's Eve, and there was a wedding. Someone was getting married, and there was a big wedding on, and. We had our meal and we kind of all went off to our rooms and one or two said, should we just go and say hello to the bride and groom and, you know, congratulate them? So obviously that led to one thing, led to another. <laughs> Before you know it, we kind of saw the new year in, in this wedding then sneaked off to bed and we uh, we had a couple of young lads in the in the uh, in the squad who were a little bit naive and the the rule is never own up to anything so the next morning before the team meeting George went so he said uh, i know that a few of you were in the at the wedding last night hands up who was at the wedding and i mean that's this pointless <laughs> asking that question literally nobody's going to put their hand up we all sat there looking around going Ooh, and I, and i was at the wedding i have to say just for a brief moment yeah. so there's no way my hand was going up and there was also probably another five of us pretty sure it was stevie morrow stuck his hand up and we just looked at him and just shook our heads and went you silly boy what did you go to the wedding for because he expected us all to follow suit as soon as one hand went up we all went up that wasn't the case Stephen. that's his biggest mistake he didn't play that like that day i think it was cholton away it'd be quite funny yeah. if somebody held their hand up and they had the flowers at the bride and the <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering, like, how festive it gets within the club. Like, do, do you have Christmas trees at the training ground, Christmas crackers? At, you know, is there a is there a Christmas meal that you you all used to have, or you know, do they make a thing of it, or is it much more professional than that? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a gesture, really, more than anything, because the most important thing is is the football. Yeah. Quite rightly so. So there's a tree up. There's a. I think there's a. We have a. I mean, it was always a. The Christmas, the boys' Christmas party was always the biggest thing, and, and George always. We used to plan the training, and the games. But once they were all the fixtures come out, then we kind of look at it and say, "Look, there's three days off. That's when we can have our Christmas party." And all the lads would go out, and and we would. That would be our one night where we we kind of let our hair down a bit. And George was fine with that. He said, "Yeah, you can. You've got three. You've got two days off there." So you're not training for two days. We come back, we have a really two two hard days training, and then these games all over Christmas. So that's that's, that's your lot, and we, yeah. we we accepted that. And the Christmas party was probably you still see one or two of them knocking about now when they all go out in fancy dress. And um, we used to just go into town and and go to a you know go to a few bars and what have you. But I remember I remember um, Patrick Vieira, bless him, because we managed to persuade um, Arsene Wenger that it was a good idea to have a Christmas party, and he he couldn't understand why we want, would want to go out and drink alcohol to celebrate Christmas. He was like, well, what, what do you mean you want to go out? And we said, it's tradition. And he was obviously a big traditionalist from the club, uh, understood all the things that went on at the club and, and, and said, OK, you can go out and I'll give you a day off afterwards. So we all went to Covent Garden and Patrick Vieira um, turned up with his, and he had his car keys hanging from the belt of his of his trousers when he came in and we all said what's that and he goes oh it's my car keys I parked my car around the corner 
And we said, this is a Christmas party. You, you don't need your car. And he said, no, I, you know, I'll just have the meal and then I'll go home. And, <laughs> and we all laughed at him and said, that's not how we do it here. Patrick, we uh, we go on, you know, we bond, we team bond. And uh, he said he didn't quite understand, but two hours later he was standing on the table in Covent Garden swinging his jersey around his head. So Good. It was the best thing he ever did, signing for an English team. <laughs> Remember who you are, what you are, and how drunk you're going to get. <laughs> Sorry, James, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I was just going to ask about the Christmas parties because something you see in the media around this time of year quite often is a team who's in bad form or things aren't going well for them. You know, they've had their Christmas party cancelled. And I wondered yes. uh, if you ever experienced yeah. that, Lee, and do you think that the Arsenal Christmas party should be going ahead this year? I'm not so sure the Christmas parties are the same as they used to be um so um but i do remember getting a week in cyprus cancelled because we drew in the cup and i'm trying to remember it away from home it might have been bolton or someone like that and uh after the game we we kept they came in i think it was bruce riot came in and said we can't go now because you've drew and we've you know and it's not good enough result. so but we've never had a christmas party cancelled that would have been well we i don't know what would have happened if we cancelled <laughs> riots all hell would have broke loose, but yeah, maybe this maybe this bunch should stay at home and uh, and watch Scrooge on the TV or something. Think about what they've done. I mean, the quality of the games over the period. I knew you were you were talking about how much you love the games. I love mm. being in the crowds on those mm. on those games. I think because you know when you watch Celtic at home and the noise of the crowd is immense. It was actually yeah. immense. And part of the reason is they've been drinking a lot. I mean, let's be fair, right? There's a lot of drinking goes on. I think at the Christmas period, I think people are basically a bit drunker. I think they've had a few. And the noise, they're a little less inhibited. And people are just making a lot of noise. And I guess the atmosphere would be better at that time of year. That's a very good point. I never even thought about that. I just thought it was because everybody was um, happy to see us on Boxing Day <laughs> of 30 to get away from doing any preparation for dinner, I suppose. Because we're saying we can't find that many classic games around that time. All of us have been sort of searching around for classic Christmas games. I think it's just great fun to go to two or three games over a seven or eight day period. But, but we always, we always, and I'm getting serious for a minute now because we're talking about football. And we always saw some teams look at Christmas. And you go, you know, it's a, it's a difficult period. You know, we're going to have to rotate and we're going to have to, you know, time our runs on 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 certain things and make sure that we still got some energy at the end of the, and be protective about those games. And we always used to sort see it as an advantage to say, right, the, you've got four days in about just over a week. You know, you four games you, you're sort of banging these results out if you go on a, if you go on a run then and really put your foot down and, and put your foot on the gas you can you can not only you're not consolidating your position you're, you're driving on you're you're going because when most teams are going oh let, let's see what how many points we can get through and, and not get injuries and we used to go right this is this is it this is where the season starts for us we really kick on here and we try and get away from teams at christmas not just consolidate and that's what our attitude was. You know, George is very much, it's a big period Christmas time because you can really, really make a gap appear, you know, between you and your rivals if you, if you, if you play it right. Lee, you'll, you'll obviously remember this well, but the 88-89 season was one mm. where over that festive period it really made a difference. And there was a, yeah. a I think that was the time when, when the team first went top that season and being top of the yeah. league was such a big deal. And there was a couple of tough away games, won 3-2 at Charlton and won 3-0 at Villa Park with what felt like a kind of statement 
uh, performance. Yeah. And that was uh, the the day when Dave Rocastle scored an absolutely wonderful, yeah, yeah, one of yeah. his wonderful sort of famous chip goals. I think there was that feeling, definitely as far as the fans around that time going to those matches, that something was happening here and you were taking advantage of this moment and yeah. really kicking on. And I, I mean, I'm guessing you felt that as players, but it felt like a real platform. And God, I wish to have that feeling again. It is that time of year that you can actually make a difference. And um, and I think you can, because uh, George was so good at the um, the kind of man management of of, of his team, and and or not, he just set he just set the scene, and you had to toe the line into that. So. He, tread the boards with him then you got left behind and you you certainly didn't want to be left behind so you're like right, I've got to. it's a little bit like being in the army you know we're going to go and march up Brecon Beacons and we're going to get to the top we're going to march down then we're going to go back up again and the last one is going to be thrown off the off the hill and you're never <laughs> going to be with us again so you you kind of just went right we're training really hard every week every day we're playing we're smashing teams we're really driving on through the Christmas period. We're doing it, we do. And then all of a sudden you start looking at the table. I think Baldy comes out with a brilliant line when he's in, in the documentary and he talks about that, you know, when the team sh- uh, when the league table went up in, uh, in, in the marble halls in Highbury, like it did every week, they put the table up and he saw it and he went, wow, we're top of the league, my team. And he called it my team, he's top of the league. Mm. And you can see the pride in his, you know, and Baldy's not like, that's not him. He's quite a, reserved character you don't often see a lot of emotion from steve and that in that document it's one of my favorite bits in the doc when he's when he talks about his team being top of the league at christmas and it's and that's what it meant to everybody what documentary is this lee sorry <laughs> the 89 one. Oh, that documentary ah uh, the- <laughs> That one that we basically made that was brilliant that Amy just shone in. Beautiful Christmas present if you if you late to the party. Um, I want to take you back, by the way, to one particular Christmas, December 1990. Our captain, of course, famously, couldn't go to the Christmas party that year. Did you? No. I mean, there was no. Did he have a phone call? And did you did you speak to him when you were out of the party? I mean, what what? How did it work? We hadn't really w- realised where he'd gone to. So it's sort of like, where's Tony? Isn't he supposed to be here? Oh, no, he's not. He's in prison. So, yeah, it was a little bit, it was a little bit strange, I must admit. There was no phone calls, that's for sure. There was no real contact with him apart from through the physio. Yeah. Gary Lewin used to go and see him and stuff. But he was, it was, took us all by surprise. And he now tells a funny story and says he's, you know, he was, he was an invincible um, and I keep telling Tony that we both retired in 2002, Tony, and they were invincible in 2004. <laughs> and he said, no, I was invincible in, in 1991 because I was in prison when you lost the game against Chelsea. So I, I'm considering myself an invincible. <laughs> Go on, James. Uh, uh, I was just going to say, Lee, I mean, obviously that period of the year, it is so important to accumulate points and you can really generate momentum. It's a, true, it's a truism, isn't it? Top at Christmas or bottom at Christmas, it, it plays out at the end of the season. When you're actually playing whatever it is, four games in a fortnight or whatever it might be, what's that like as a player? Like, do you is the training sort of a lot lighter in that part of the year, so you can really just focus on the games? What's that experience like? Yeah, you, you're basically in recovery mode straight after a game, and that recovery mode, um, you're still in it when you're kind of prepping for the next game. So yeah. you're not really doing an awful lot physically. 
apart from the recovery sessions, which are, are very light. Um, you're doing a lot, quite a lot of ball work, just the odd five aside, and you're not doing anything tactically because you, you, your mind's your mind's a, a little bit racing as well because you because you're you know, you've always got niggles and little things going on with your your knees, your ankles. No player's ever 100% fit all of the time. So you're always managing your body from, you know, game to game. So mm. if you play on a Saturday and then you play again the following Saturday, you know on each day of the week how you should be feeling ready for the next game. Mm. So, and that's over a five-day, a seven-day period. So... Sunday's recovery day, you're feeling a certain, you're getting over knocks and bruises and kicks. And Monday, you're kind of just starting to tick over a little bit. And as the week goes on, you sort of halfway through the week, you start building yourself, you're prepping for the next game. So who am I playing against? How's my body feeling? Do I need to do anything in training that I feel a bit, say you're not feeling very sharp on the Saturday before. Can I do a few little extra sprints here and there just to try and get my sharpness back? Am I playing well? Normally, if you're playing well, you're not thinking about anything. You're just ticking over. But there's always a, a niggle on a knee. Is my knee or my ankle. So that's over seven days. If you congest all that into every three days and then every three days and every three days, so over a period of four games, you're only getting three days rest per game. Your recovery is a day. And then you're kind of would normally have another day and a bit recovery. Now all of a sudden you're prepping for the next game. So you've kind of and you've still got, you know, my left ankle's hanging off and I've got mm. a kick on the knee and my thigh sore, my brain's a little bit dead, I'm tired, I didn't sleep well last night because I am post match and I don't didn't sleep very well post match because I'm thinking about the game. But your post match bleeds into your pre-match so you're now thinking about Ryan Giggs who you've got the day after tomorrow and I know that my leg not going to be fully fit by then so how am I going to manage Ryan Giggs when I can't sprint properly so I've got so you're, you're doing that constantly for the whole of the season but when you congest it into you know 12 days and you've got four games you go into automatic mode and you basically play through all your niggles all your pains then you go into the FA Cup so you're just hoping you get some, you know, you get Bristol Rovers away or somebody Rex, at home. Wrexham away, say. <laughs> <laughs> but you're hoping you get a nice, easy fixture where yeah. you can't, can just go through it on autopilot. You know, you don't want a big third rounder against Liverpool away or no. something like that because you've got to then think about it again. So that's that's the sort of a period of time that is the most telling. And, you, and you've also, you also have to, you know, refueled properly and all of your food is condensed into what you would eat post-match then crosses over to what you would eat pre-match. So you can't be, you know, you've got to change your diet as well quickly. And But I love all that. That that all to me is, is, is my bread and butter. That's what I love to do. I love to prep. I love to recover. I love thinking about the game coming up. I love analysing the game I've just played. But it's all just crammed into a very short space of time. Well, we appreciate the effort, don't we? Let's be fair. Um, we wanted to ask about, um, as it's Christmas, we wanted to know about fantasy Christmas lunches. Uh, James, who would be at your fantasy Christmas lunch? My fantasy Christmas lunch? Well, I'd have to start with Arsene because he's my ideal dinner party guest anyway. He could talk about any subject and you need that sometimes, especially if there's family there. Someone who can take you off topic, that's good. Um, I thought Gilberto Silva 
with his mandolin. Gilberto Silva, that is. You've got to have a bit of music at Christmas, you know what I mean? Does he play the mandolin? Yeah, he does, yeah. Not only does he play the mandolin, he used to take it on uh, away games and, like, attach it to his little wheelie bag every single match. And... uh, (laughs) Told, Are you making this No, up? this is true. He told me about it once. I'm sure Lee will tell you even more. He said he used to come down to some hotel they'd be staying in for breakfast the next day and, you know, Thierry would start start mocking his sort of singing that he'd heard through the wall at night because um, he would be sitting playing his, playing his music. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I never knew that. Sorry, James. Uh, OK, you've got him playing a mandolin and Arsene Wenger just being Arsene. Being erudite. Twinkly and all the rest of it. I also thought, I'm not much of a cook, right? So I thought, if I get Ian Wright in, I know he'll appreciate the food because he's been eating blended pig penises in the jungle. So anything I rustle up is going to be a real treat. <laughs> That's a very fair point, isn't it, really? You don't often hear the phrase blended pig's penises either. <laughs> what, on a football podcast? Or, or, or any podcast. <laughs> so, uh, Lee, do you have a fantasy Arsenal Christmas lunch? I mean, I guess you would have had them already, but uh, let's just say is somebody many, connected many, with Arsenal. How many can I have on the table? Oh, as many as you want, Lee. I'd have all the 98 team that's the best team I played in. So I'd have all them and I'd have Nicholas singing because I didn't hear him talk for the whole season. So I'd like him to <laughs> show me he had a voice. Um, he only used to say something when he scored and you just go, yeah, yeah. So that was it. <laughs> Nicholas so, Anelka uh, wasn't the most volleyball of players, was he? Let's be fair. He could play, though. He could right. play. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, I like the idea of Nicholas Anelka singing. Amy, have you got a fantasy? Well, I'm a bit annoyed that you went to James first, although I did kind of nod and say start with him because he's taken most of mine. Oh, uh, I was also going to have Arsene and Ian Wright. And if we're going for all time living or dead, I'd quite like Herbert Chapman. Find out a bit more about that kind of era of creating Arsenal back in the 30s I think that would be pretty fascinating he'd like a traditional dinner as well I imagine I he'd make he good would. roasties he looks like, he looks like he'd eat, eat plenty yeah. Um, yeah and then Herbert's on carving isn't he Try, yeah, trying to think of people that <laughs> I, I've liked talking to over the years yes. um, uh, Jens is quite good company would you say? Oh, yes. Oh. That's a good call, actually. Yens uh, at Christmas. But, I mean, would you play charades with the ends? I think if it went wrong, do you know what I mean? You'd get very frustrated very quickly. I tell you what, he, like yeah, he, yeah. He, would, he would not give you anything away. When you talk to Jens, one thing that I think is definitely there is, you know when you speak to someone and you think, oh, I'm not quite sure which way he's going to take this or how he means it. Mm. Yes. You know, the way that the answer comes out is kind of in this sort of very sort of ambivalent way where you're just not sure if he's joking or serious or if he's going to get mad no, or if he's really finding it hilarious or just taking the mick out of you. You wouldn't it's want quite, to get stuck it keeps in, you on your toes. You wouldn't want to get stuck in a lift with Jens, would you? I don't know. I think he'd, I think he'd keep, keep you company. You, you, you'd fight like hell to get out of there. OK, anyone else? Lee has to be there. Uh, you're inviting Lee. Obviously. Oh, okay. thanks. James, James didn't want you no, anywhere near there, apparently. It's a small, <laughs> small flat. I'd like Tony Adams to read some poetry. Oh, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> Don't you think that'd be nice? Mm. Okay. And I listen, I'm with you, Bertie Me. Right. I like I like tactics, 70s defensive tactics with Bertie Me. Just Don Howard would be good as well. Don Howard would be fascinating from a tactical point of view. Great coach, Don. Get Don there as well. We could yeah. just have coaches. <laughs> could have uh, Emery. Emery, you know, who knows? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, to, just to maybe listen to <laughs> Herbert Chapman and... <laughs> Me. Bruce Riot could maybe pop in for an art for a, a couple of hours and then head off again. We'd have him replaced. <laughs> That'd be quite funny, wouldn't it, to get Bruce Riot in for a bit and then replace him with Arsene Wenger. <laughs> 
by the way, listen, as we are recording the Christmas uh, uh, podcast of Handbrake Off, um, we would like our wish list as well, our Christmas wish list. I I would just like to see uh, people smiling again down at the Emirates. I'd like to see a bit of happiness down there, not turn up, get all hostile and angry and then drink it off just to to take away the pain, (laughs) which is what it's been like for the last few months. Mm. So a little bit of happiness would Uh, be nice for everyone. Top of my Christmas list is a new centre-half. I feel like it's the same every Christmas. It's always a new centre-half, but uh, I would love that in the January transfer window. Don't hold out a huge amount of hope for it, but I think it would do the world of good. In in this sort of Wizard of Oz uh, idea, I think some courage or some heart we could actually give those things to... Uh, You've been watching The Wizard of Oz? Not yet, but I will do. <laughs> probably on at Christmas. Of course. You know, in The Wizard of Oz, there was heart and there was curry and there was all... The, was there anything that had a brain? <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, if I only had a brain! <laughs> a scarecrow wants that, yeah. doesn't he? Yeah, that's how we're looking. We're basically, The Wizard of Oz is what we need to transplant into the entire Arsenal mm. team and all will be well. You're not at the Emirates now, is what you're saying. Right? <laughs> now, we do need uh, a Christmas song to complete our Christmas party. Um, I was going to say 1-0 to the Arsenal. I'd love to hear that again. Lee, I'm sure you you heard that many, many times and enjoyed it very, very much. I'd be very, very happy to go back to a time when we could defend somewhat and keep a clean sheet and we could sing 1-0 to the Arsenal. I'd love to hear that. I don't know. I mean, yeah, chuck some sleigh bells on 1-0 to the Arsenal and you've you've done it all, haven't you? Uh, but Christmas cheese, you've, had, you've got a favourite Christmas song, haven't you, Amy? Well, I like the, the waitress's uh, um, the Christmas what? wrapping. Oh, it's just a great Christmas song, but that's not the one I would choose if we're Arsenal-orientated. I think, you know, given the time of year, and we've got some away games, Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle All The Way. Oh, oh how well, much fun it is to see the Arsenal, Arsenal win away. away. Yeah. Let's have an away win. Wouldn't that a be nice? Or anyway, lovely. <laughs> uh, yes, because uh, as I say, we're not. We, we we don't know how that's gone. If you're listening to this yeah. on the 27th, you might go. Ha! You thought you wanted what? Did you, uh, <laughs> Lee? Do you have any Christmas songs? No, I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. The the days of um the, of one nil were so far away that I think we should get those back and just grind out a few little boring wins that we can just put the ball in the back of the net and know that we've won the game. Boring is beautiful. Boring is beautiful. Can't be, can't it? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly oh, would be now. That's, that's a perfect way to end this podcast. Uh, happy Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas. Yeah, happy Christmas, everybody. Thanks for Hey, and, and thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, this is the uh, Handbrake Off uh, podcast for The Athletic. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic to read great articles and get access to all 11 of our brand new podcasts, including the David Ornstein and Mark Chapman show. And just by listening to this, you can subscribe now with a 40% discount by going to theathletic.com and using the code ARSENALPOD. Thank you to our guests Uh, This beautiful Christmas day, Mm. Uh, Lee Dixon, Amy Lawrence and James McNicholas. Uh, I've been Ian Stone. Thank you very, very much. Oh, thanks to Tayo as well, who produced it. Thank you, Tayo. Uh, I've been Ian Stone. Thanks very much for listening.